Hey everybody, it's Jacob Newton here, professional hockey player and mental health coach, advocate, all of the above. My good buddies over at Sports Epreneur and I did a podcast together about a year ago. And ever since then, we've been keeping in touch, creating content podcasts now. So if anybody out there is interested in doing the same, having their own podcast or want some type of content creation, don't hesitate to reach out to those guys at Sports Epreneur. They are willing and able to help you out. And after listening, don't hesitate in leaving a review. And then you'll get much more access to all of my content across the Sports Epreneur platform. All right, here we go, baby. We got uh, episode two of the RAV with JLN, Raw, Authentic, and Vulnerable with Jacob Leslie Newton. I got my, uh, my good buddy um, and former mental health client, Brendan Valco, sitting here with me. Um, former hockey player himself. I'll, I'll you know, obviously introduce him just now. But actually, you know what, buddy, you take over from there and why don't you just let the people know <laughs> who you are, where you live, and, and a little bit uh, about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Brendan Valco. I'm from Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, played hockey for 20 years of my life. Started when I was two. Uh, played in Kitchener uh, here growing up. Moved out to Toronto when I was in grade 10. Um, played there for Mississauga Senators for a year. Played prep hockey at a prep school. And then uh, actually moved prep schools to another school at the Hill uh, in Vaughan. And then um, from there, played Junior A for uh, three years, one year in Ottawa for Ottawa Junior Senators, Pembroke Lumber Kings. And then uh, moved back home to play for Markham Royals. And then my last year, played for Kitchener Dutchman Junior B back home. Uh, so I've been playing for a couple of years now. I'm just a skills and skating development coach. Uh, love working with the kids. And uh, yeah, living at home still. Nice. And, and how old are you, buddy? Oh, I'm 23. 23. Nice. So it's such a, you know, again, such, such an honor for me to have you on here again, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, we were working together. Um, mm. and, and for people out there, you know, I think in the world, you, you look at personal training, you look at, um, psychologists and I feel like certainly personal training more, maybe in psychology as well, you know, mental therapy, things like that. Um, my goal with the people that I work with and certainly with you, and I'm sure you can attest to this, wasn't to work with you for a year, wasn't to work with you for two years. If I, if I felt you needed that, then of course we could have gone down that route. But I think it was only after what, six or seven calls we had, maybe eight that I just felt like, man, like you get it. You're right there. You don't exactly need me. You know, uh, all the conversations we had, all the interactions we had were just authentic, raw and vulnerable. And I think that's the, the, most crucial thing for anybody to truly heal is you got to be willing to share everything. You can't hold anything back because the things that you're holding back on, you're not going to heal from. And those could potentially be the biggest, you know, culprits in the, the way you're living your life today. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like it went so fast too, because when I did decide to open up to you about everything so quickly, like, I just feel like it, my transition was so like, it was rapid almost. Right. right? Like, I feel like if I didn't, tell you those things I would it would have transpired for who knows how much longer right I feel like it just was like a weight yeah off of my shoulder so it's pretty pretty awesome experience yeah for sure and you know and one thing that I spoke on on, on my Instagram I you know I, I'm posting you know not daily videos any longer I'm waiting for that in, inspiration before I post you know I'm posting mm -hmm. content but I you know I did post a, a, a video on my story I think it was last week or two weeks ago when I talked about um, two, almost three years ago now when my, when my ex-wife decided she didn't want to be with me any longer, you know, right. it was, it was literally, it happened on a Saturday and that m next Monday I had to show up to the rink. 
Um, and I, and I had mentioned in this story that, you know what, I'm always the first one to show up to the rink. I'm always the DJ playing happy music. I'm joking around, laughing, smiling, dancing, having a good time. But you know, on this day, no, you know, I wasn't in the locker room when everybody showed up and I would imagine they thought I was sick, injured, whatever the case was, but little did they know I was in the coach's office and I had just gotten done crying for 45 minutes in front of them. Right. Well, like you had just mentioned such a big you know, transition point for you in healing so fast was simply that you got it all out there and you got it all out there right away. Right. Right. So I think back to my experience and that, you know, some people may not view that as a traumatic event, as a catastrophic event, but it was for me, um, you know, being so many thousands of miles away from, from uh, my ex-wife and and obviously my kids, but within two days I had gotten everything out there. You know, right. and, and I think that was so massive for me in my healing. And it took me a week, 10 days to really regain that focus. But mm-hmm. man, it was just like, like you said, it was rapid. It was unbelievable. Crazy. You know? um, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so the message to, to the, to the viewers is that, man, once you go through something, you know, you don't have to share it with the whole world, but if you were able to find one person that you can confide in one person that you can trust with this type of information, um, it's gonna, it's gonna um, just be so instrumental in your life, and not only in the the present moment, right, but into the future as well. Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I just wanted to, you know, I'm I'm thinking about my myself in terms of mental health. I'm thinking about myself in terms of my my playing career, and I think back to the beginning of my career. You know, I'd signed with the Anaheim Ducks, got traded to the Colorado Avalanche, got sent down to a league that no longer exists anymore, and that was probably at the height. I would say of my, my mental health where it wasn't a thing for me. I had no clue, but I think back to if mental health, if my mental health would have been a priority for me back then, potentially my, potentially I could have stayed in the NHL, right? Or if I would have started at the age of 16, 17, 18, you know, I think we're starting to see more people are becoming more conscious at a much younger age. So I just wanted to speak on that really quick. Like, you know, I had all this hype, and with Anaheim, you know, I was potentially going to come in and, and take over Scott Niedermeyer's role. You know, what, a, what an incredible thing that was going to be, you know, but I wasn't prepared mentally to be anywhere near on the ice with these guys, you know. So I wanted to ask you if you think, you know, had you made your mental health more of a priority, you know, when you were in your junior days of playing, you know, at 16, 17, 18, if you, that would have been at the forefront of your mind, do you think that could have had a potential positive impact on your playing days? And maybe you could have gone a little bit further with your career. hundred um, percent. I feel like mostly in my career, it was, it was about being in my own head a lot. Like, I just feel like I didn't, I didn't have anyone to communicate with. So when I was in Ottawa playing for Pem- the Pembroke Lumber Kings, um, I was by myself a lot and I didn't, I didn't like hanging around with the guy. It was, kind of a party group and I was the complete opposite end of that and I just wanted to you know chill most of the time and just be at the rink and, and play hockey and whatnot so I was in my own head like every single day just constantly and I feel like if I had that outlet to speak to someone about what I was going through and I feel like I couldn't go to anyone not coaches not teammates not I mean my mom I talked to her every day but it wasn't the same back then right so I can't if I had someone to speak to every day about it I feel like 100% I would have been able to flourish I think because I had Again, I have the skill and the, the talent. Like I was a very good skater, very good hands. And I feel like if I could put the two together with my mind as well and be able to translate that onto the ice, it would be – I feel like it would be a different story for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and again, we're speaking here on, in terms of mental health. And I've, I've played on teams in, in the recent years that had a sports psychologist. And I right. think there is a difference 
I think there's a difference between a mental health coach or a therapist, something like that. And then sports psychology, I think a sports psychologist is certainly going to help us with our playing career. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I don't believe is there's not enough emphasis on what's going on away from the rink, you know? Right. So, you know, every team I played on pretty much up until I got to the NHL level, I was the best on every team. Um, yeah. Whether I was captain, assistant captain, whatever, you know, always leading the defenseman in points. I was the go-to guy. Right. But I had an incredible, party lifestyle as well, you know, from the ages of 15 until 21, until I signed that contract, I was, I was like partying hard five days <laughs> a week for, you know, five right. years of my life, you know, right. and, and why not because I enjoyed it because I was trying to suppress so many of my emotions, you know, I was going through mm -hmm. the, some depression, some mood swings, you know, being away from my family at a, at a point in my life where I needed so much love. You know, um, and I didn't have that outlet. I didn't have my mom or dad to go home to and give a hug, you know. Right. So, so I resorted to, to alcohol and marijuana, you know, chewing tobacco, sex, you know, um, all different forms of suppression, um, right. you know. And so maybe you could touch on, you know, if you can think back to, again, your playing days. Did you have, you know, having the level of awareness that you have now, were there any outlets for you in terms of like suppression? like outside of hockey, maybe things that you did away from the ring. Yeah. So when I was by myself and chewing tobacco, number one. Yeah. Ridiculous amounts. Yeah. yeah. Tons of at the rink, at home, because by myself, right? So I had to have something to, to suppress what I was dealing with. But it was that. It was, I had a lot of video games there. I had like my PlayStation movies. So I'd play that constantly. Netflix, anything just to occupy my mind. Right. Right. Um, but uh, that, that for the most part, and then just honestly being sad. I feel like for me, it wasn't even so much, I didn't so much resort to things to suppress it. It was mostly just, I would, like, it was almost, I was depressed. Like I was addicted to the sadness mm. that I was going through, if that makes sense. I just, I don't, it was weird. It was yeah. very strange times, but. But you, but you don't feel like you were healing from it though. No, not at all. It was bad. It was like going, I remember I had to leave. I was, we were about to go into playoffs and my mom actually drove down and picked me up and brought me home because I was, I can't, I told her I can't even be here anymore. It was like, it's terrible. Yeah. So she came and picked me up. I went back home for a couple of weeks and then I ended up going back and it was just, I had to get away from it. How, how was it when you went back? When I went back home? I, no, I mean, no, 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 no. When you went back to the team. When I went back, yeah. Um, funny, actually, uh, ironic. My roommate at the time had left and went away from the team too. And we lived together. For the same re not not for the same reasons, but like the concept was, we're struggling, right, mm -hmm. mentally. Mm -hmm. So he left, and then I actually left right after, came back. Um, I feel like they were more it was friendlier um, to me, but I just I felt like my whole career I was very miss. I was quiet, and I feel like a lot of people thought I was like you know some kid that thought he was sick and didn't want to hang out with anyone. Meanwhile, I'm like probably one of the nicest people, and I just wanted to. I didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't know how to talk. I didn't. I was very shy. Um, and being on the ice was my, my outlet, my reason, I only reason I was there to get on the ice. Yeah. So like when I went back, it was, it was a little better, but it was still, nothing was resolved. Right. It was yeah. just, it wasn't the same. Um, how do you, how do you think potentially having, you know, you, you, you had mentioned that you didn't say anything to your teammates or to your coaches, mm -hmm. assistant coaches, anybody like that. Um, do you think it could have potentially been because, you know, certainly back in the days back then, this is only, you know, five years ago, but I think in terms of mental health, we, we've come a long way um, in five years. You know, I think back to my junior years, it's been, uh, you know, 15 years. We've, we've come leaps and bounds from then. 
but I do know the culture in the, in the hockey locker room. And I would imagine it's, it's probably very similar in a football, baseball, basketball locker room that, you know, especially hockey, it's such a physical sport, right? So, you know, coming to our coach saying, coach, I'm depressed or coach, I'm dealing with anxiety or X, Y, and Z, you know, we might potentially be viewed as weak, like not manly, right? So do you think if potentially, let's just say hypothetically at the beginning of the year, say in preseason, um, you know, your coach decided to have a, a mental health talk with the locker room, everybody yeah. involved, coaches, assistant ca- coaches, trainers, you know, massage guys, whatever the case is, but all the people that make up the team, if, you know, say for a two day, one day we, ha- we break it down on half the team, the other day, the other half the team speaks right. and we just all stand up and just say, Hey, this is something I'm dealing with away from the rink. Um, you know, and I, and I think through that, you're going to find a lot of very similar stories going on in the locker room. Now we're, we're all kind of going through this together. And I think back again to, for myself, when I, when I shared what I did with my team and, you know, almost three years ago, I had 17, 18 of them come up, give me a hug or put their hand on me and just say, Hey Jake, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but just know that I'm here for you. I love you. And now I felt like I was, I had a team around me, a team of support, right? So if do you think that it would have been a lot easier? Maybe you wouldn't have even had to go home that mm-hmm. year, right? Because at the beginning of the year, you guys had this nice little talk. We view it as being weak, but it's the most strengthening thing that we can do is speak on our stuff, right? So had that happened, maybe you you know would have felt more like the coach's door was actually open for you to go in and talk to him. Do you think that could have had a, a, a significant impact on you? Yeah, um, I think I 100% I would have been terrified to begin with, first of all, to do that. But I think once I did it and everyone was doing it, I think I would have not only felt more open and be able to talk to all the my teammates and whatnot, but I would have probably formed relationships with other people, right, who maybe were dealing with something similar that I was. Because I didn't, again, I'd always, I'd find one person and I'd, I'd be friends with them and it was like that. Like I had one guy and that was it and the, kind of the rest were like acquaintances. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, if I was able to open up and, and talk about what I was dealing with and someone else, maybe I could have made new friends and I probably wouldn't have had to go home because I would have been more comfortable. Right. Yeah. More, sure. right, more in the element and be able to just play hockey and, and do what we're there for. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think all too often, unfortunately in society today, we have, we have uh, certain individuals, many individuals in the global population that have hundreds of friends, right. They right. have a friend to hang out with. They have multiple friends to hang out with every single day of the week for the whole month, for the whole year. But I think too many of these relationships are at that surface level, you know, mm-hmm. where they don't really talk about stuff. They don't really talk about the deep stuff, you know, they about really life. say again, they don't really even know each other. Well, exactly. Right. So again, they're, they're talking about what's going on politically and what's going on in, in other parts of the world, the Kardashians and all this crap, yeah. right. That truly yeah. just for us as individuals, I just don't feel like really matters that much, you know? And, and I think about, again, my own experience. Um, there's so much about my parents that I don't know that I've learned from family members that my parents have never directly told me. So you could essentially almost say that potentially I have a surface level relationship with my own parents. Right. And I think to a certain level that it, that can be pretty damaging to a person, you know, sure. to, that we think we have these, quote unquote friends, but if we were to bring them our stuff, right, share our stuff with them, then I think we're really going to be able to find out if they're our friends or not, right? Some people might stay, be comforting, reach that hand out, that arm out, that hug, or, and Mm -hmm. some might flee away. But I think through that, you're going to find out 
who you want around and who you don't. And I think life will naturally take care of that, you know? hundred percent. Um, I know I can agree more. Absolutely. Say that, say it again. I couldn't agree more with you. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. So, so, you know, I have this saying and maybe I read it somewhere, but I, I think it's great. And I, and I use it, I, you know, I'm friendly with everybody and friends with few, you know? Um, because again, there's, there's, I've got about five, six, seven people that I'm very close with, you know, and I hope through these podcasts that you and I, and, and again, through the, the, the sessions that we had together, I think we're already at that level. We just have yeah. a next step writing and connecting more. But, right. you know, what I'm saying is that I've got five, six, seven people in my life that I talk about real life stuff with, I don't, you know, of mm-hmm. course I've got my buddies that I talk to hockey about, but you know, my playing days are, are coming to an end. And, um, you know, I'm not interested in all this external crap. I want to talk about what bothers me, what triggers me, what makes me happy, what makes me sad, you know, and build some real lifelong friendships, you know? Yeah. Um, I was actually quickly, I was, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day and I was telling her how, like, I'm just completely not interested in having any surface level relationships anymore. Like mm-hmm. just the one, obviously they come and go every day, but like, I just, I want like that connection and that the community, right? Like, I feel like here I have, you know, I have my mom, yourself, um, a couple people, a handful, but I feel like the more we put ourselves out there on online and social media, and we do these sorts of podcasts and things that people are just going to naturally come into our lives and, and open up. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and how do you think, you know, you know, you had mentioned the the work you're doing currently working with little kids, clinics, you know, Mm -hmm. private lessons, working with teams, you know, I, I remember back to our sessions and, and you had mentioning that, you know, you had some kids maybe that you were working with that showed up on certain days, random days, and they just weren't feeling it. They didn't have the same type of energy. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but, you know, for some people, I am going to be right on this, that potentially they're, they're dealing with things at home or, you know, they got bullied at school or something like that. And they're using hockey like I used it and like you used it for an outlet, right, for a type of suppression, Right. Um, do you think that being again at the level of awareness that you have currently with the more mental health approach that it's going to change maybe the dynamics that you try to cultivate with the clients that you're working with, with the, with the players and understand that, man, if this kid's not really here today, well, maybe there's a reason for it instead of maybe screaming at him to, to get him going. Maybe you need to after save that and then talk to him personally, one-on-one, maybe after your session or something. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I, I actually, when did we talk about that? That was in the summer that yeah. I was dealing with uh, the one client of mine. But yeah, whenever I, I have a, a child who's like that, who's, who comes and maybe one day they're super energetic, uh, they're flying, doing really well, and the next they're, they just don't want to be there. Um, I mean, instead of, yeah, instead of yelling at them, I just, again, I try to be, pr- I'm just present with them. Mm. And I just try to almost act as like a, bro- a big brother or even a father in some cases if they're, if they're young, right? And just really, really just show that I care mm. and that I love them. And I feel like when I do do that, the response I get from them playing wise is like 10 times better than if I would have just come and just, you know, be the hammer down and, and just yell at them. I feel like if I just, if I'm there as a, as a brother or a fatherly figure and I'm just present with them, they just, they flourish. I've seen it. Even the one I told you about, it's, it's been, it's, the difference is just crazy to see. Wow. Wow. That, and I just, I just feel like that's so powerful. If there's any coaches that are listening to this, so, you know, if you don't have that mental health approach, you know, in your own life, that's one thing, but to now project your stuff onto this kid, 
because he makes a mistake or he doesn't do exactly what you want him to do. Understand that for so many of these kids out there, because I, again, I think about myself, I was sexually abused at the ages of five, six, and seven. You know, when I was at the rink, maybe some days I, I was physically there, but mentally I wasn't. Back in the day, you know, in the 90s, um, coaches screamed and they screamed like crazy, you know, and once that happens, we're no longer hearing the words. We're just hearing the noise. We're just hearing your screaming and we're, the message is not getting through. It's the energy too. Well, of course, of course. And, right. and man, especially kids at such a young age, they, they, they live their life. They operate through, through love and they can right. pick up on energy as well. That's why some kids, for some reason, they stay away from certain people and they gravitate towards other. And I would imagine it's got something to do with the type of energy we bring into a room or bring into any events or anywhere we go, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, but buddy, I, you know, thank you so much for, for taking that approach. You know, I'm, I'm sure the kids that you're working with, the teams that you're working with, whether or not they let it be known, I'm sure they're very grateful to have you as, as their mentor, as their big brother sometimes, you know, um, and man, that's just, uh, that's incredible, you know, and, and again, for coaches out there, um, man, it, it would go a long way um, to know that, you know, our coach doesn't necessarily always have to be our boss. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes they can be a friend, no matter at what level it is. Unfortunately, the, the higher up you get, it's more of a business of winning. And so many right. coaches are afraid to to you know build that type of a relationship with the player well it doesn't need to be every player but you got to understand that some players thrive off of that screaming and some people shrink it, it, it what happens is it kind of sets off that trigger of the fight or flight mode or freeze mm -hmm. right some people again are going to fight and they're going to push 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 and they're going to perform at their highest level still some mm -hmm. are going to retreat and some are going to freeze you know right. um and again i just think if we have that approach in sports um and again in, in the more manly sports they're all manly right um right. but again if we can not view it as being weak just view it as being human you know that's uh and i think it's unfortunate you know hockey and all these professional sports we're kind of under a microscope every single night we perform it's being critiqued right and and some players read these critiques. Some people read the, um, some players read the articles that are out there and sometimes they're going to say negative stuff about them. And again, some of them can't handle that. They shouldn't be reading it, but they do because they want to read it. The, the, the one chance that they're saying something good about them. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but as we know, unfortunately in today's society, positivity isn't making headlines like the negativity is, you well, know, negativity is louder, right? Exactly. Unfortunately, it is. So there's going to be much more negative articles out there um, because for some reason that brings more viewers. Uh, it's a sad reality, but it but it is real, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, again, buddy, I, you know, I'm mid, mid podcast here. Again, I just want to thank you <laughs> for taking the time out of your day to be here again, guys. Okay. This is uh, his name is Brendan Valco. Uh, I started he was the very first client uh, that I had in terms of mental health coaching. Um, and just an incredible guy, uh, incredible man, uh, the modern man, I would say, you know, where we're not afraid to show our emotions, you know, talk about our, our real true feelings, you know, and we don't resort to forms of suppression any longer. We might, you know, go out for a night of drinking or with buddies or whatever the case is, but we're doing that because we enjoy it or because we want to go and have fun, not because we need to suppress certain things that we're feeling on the inside. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, uh, yeah, I think that could actually be it. 
Um, it was a lot. How long is how far are we into this? Yeah, 25 minutes. Doesn't need to be longer or shorter. I think it was just perfect. Um, so again, Brendan, thank you so much, buddy, for for being on. Um, and for for again for everybody listening, this is episode number two. I look forward to getting out many more episodes. When exactly they're going to be available, I don't know. Uh, but they are coming, baby, and they are coming in hot. This was RAV with JLN, Raw, Authentic, and Vulnerable with Jacob Leslie Newton. Brendan, again, thank you. And if there's anything you could say to, to leave the people with, maybe where they can find you on social media or any positive message, anything you wanted to say before I Yeah, yeah um, social media, uh, Brendan Valco, Instagram, uh, GSS Hockeys and Evolution Hockey Training are the two hockey programs I'm with. And um, something to leave you guys with, uh, speak your truth. Be open, be vulnerable, speak it, and you watch how your world changes. It's crazy. Oh, love that. Okay, everybody, thank you. We love you all and have a grateful day.